We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Hello, welcome to episode 39 of the Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I'm Dustin Redazel, one half of the Lost Boys, and joining me, if he was Mike Tyson, his car would be a Tesla. <laughs> it's Tommy Cooksey. Or should you, I say Tommy Cookthy? Cookthy. You have to uh you gotta give me the trademark on that one. That was my joke. You thief. Yeah. You thief. If you aren't following Tommy Cooksey on Instagram, that's the type of gold you're missing. You're missing a lot of dad jokes and shared dad jokes. Um I like it. I feel like by following you I get to follow all the dad accounts. You're you're an aggregator of a very specific type of humor. I really don't want to brag, but yes, that is my calling. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Speaking of dad jokes, I uh, started doing something this week that was amazing. I put the the low five down there for Walter. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And I didn't hit him with the too slow. Okay. Setting it up. You setting the stage. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he'd appreciate the rhyme enough yet. So Not I yet. just hit him with a plain old psych. Mm. And it was... The funniest thing ever. You thought like Bill Burr just rolled through. It, the the beauty. Well, this, this is what happens because you spend so much time with your kids, especially when they're young, and your jokes are just hilarious to them. I still have some that really miss with Everett. You know, he's five and a, half, a little over five. Um, but one that just has stuck ever since he. I mean, he's probably two when I started this one. If he hurts himself and it's not that bad, if it's not too bad, you know, there's not blood coming out of it. I'm like, huh, let me get my saw. It's time to cut it off. It's a finger. It's an ear. And like, it's now we're 50 50. Like, sometimes he hurts himself and he's like, Dad, say your joke. (laughs) The other half of the time, he's like, so upset. He's like, don't say it. Don't you say it. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, The beauty of being a dad is you say it either way. So, (laughs) that's the stuff you want, though. The. I. It's not good or bad. It's just so specifically his, right? Like, he's going to be of a certain age. Like, he'll probably remember that on his deathbed. Yeah. I can't wait for the roles to reverse. Like, I'll be, you know, I'll do something and I'll stub my toe. Well, well, Dad, we got to cut it off. Like, that'll be the real pivotal moment. That's when I know he's arrived. Ah, that'll be rich. I did see there's a a guy that, um, he, uh, he's, he's one of the, the prominent dad jokers he has like the says a says a joke question and then he'll say my son said this and he's like no dummy and then give like the real answer anyway he had a shirt that said it's not a dad bod it's a father figure and i actually really actually really like that like i want to find that shirt somewhere i do too that's pretty fantastic that's fantastic (laughs) it's actually kind of layered as well yeah yeah oh yeah that's a good one a minor jab at uh Dads like me who are spending too much time trading for some long, pointless physical endeavor. I mean, look, you know, 
it is uh it's so important and um I totally get it. Actually, I um I could probably dig into this one forever and I'm just getting into his podcast. Uh Andrew Huberman, have you listened to him at all? I've listened to him on Rogan and Ferris, but I haven't listened to his independent pod. Cool. So he is he was on Believe it or not, armchair experts. Um, you listen to that? Just occasionally. Some, I'm a casual listener, um, but I'm really gonna dive into the to his podcast. It's a little more sciencey, you know, a little more scientific and fact driven. But there's gonna be some good stuff in there. But anyway, he was he was talking about like, you know, some some hacks, some life hacks to getting better sleep, and. One of the easy ones was get outside in the morning and get 15 to 30 minutes of sun in your eyes. And in the evening, get 15 to 30 minutes of sun in your eyes. It's like triggering natural melatonin production in your body. And then the other one that was really cool, not that anybody cares, but we're talking about it. So he, uh, why walks are so beneficial and why they relieve stress when you feel like pent up and you, you get whatever you're at work or whatever. It's literally because of the eye movement when you're walking and moving forward, your body is, is turning off and like almost resetting. It's wild stuff, dude, how the body hmm. does that. I have heard a ton of things about getting outside and the benefits for it. The, like the whole bookworms and nerds have glasses thing it actually doesn't have much to do with like staring at screens or anything like that which i think is a misconception of modern times because bookworms had the same issue when it was just books it's that your eyes don't spend enough time locked on a further trajectory Mm. and so they optimize for nearsightedness and so if you want it's not unlike do you want to be strong and have good endurance? Well, then you need to lift heavy things and run far distances. Yeah. You can't just lift heavy things. It's like the body's such an adapt an adaptation machine that anything you do too much wrecks the system. So I've been trying to think about that with yeah. with the kids when because I'll have them before the nanny comes over, and then also. Uh, we get like a little break before uh, we have to put them down and after we get off work. And so we try to do a walk. Yeah. I don't know. We're okay with it. Maybe three times a week we squeeze it in. We almost always get it in every weekend night. Yeah. Yeah. So, dude, I figured we would take this time. I tried to vamp there. (laughs) What's that? As I tried to vamp there through the connection issue. Oh yeah, you just, you just plugged right on through. It was good. I I got the whole message. So, Excellent. You know, we we were talking this week. We've, we everyone's got their fundraising page up for row twenty four. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually really pumped about it. I told Annie like, I, you know, I liked it when we did it in 2019, but I really liked the fact that. It's a little smaller scale. It's, you know, kind of homegrown. It's going to probably be 40 degrees cooler. <laughs> um, but but I'm pumped. And, and so I thought, well, this is our platform. We reach X number of people. Like, 
you know, I wanted to give you kind of the floor and, you know, poke some questions here and there. Just talk about the event, what it's intended for, why it means. I mean, I think we all know probably why it means so much. But if we have new listeners or people that are um, kind of wondering what we're doing, um, I figured it'd be a good one to, to dive in with three and a half weeks of fundraising left. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll top line it. So uh, the event is called Row 24. We did the first one in 2019. And it's just a group of people put in 24 hours straight on a rowing machine as a, a display of commitment that we can rally fundraising around. And the reason we picked 24 hours originally wasn't just because it was like hard and it's like an obvious event, but because so many of the statistics around cancer are tough to wrap your head around. It's this massive thing. Like you even hear people say it, oh, we all know somebody affected by cancer and there's so many types. But the statistic that always stuck to me was that every three minutes, someone in the United States is diagnosed with a blood cancer. And what that equals up to is 480 people in the U.S. over the course of a day. And a hundred and, uh, make sure I'm getting my math right. 160 of those people, a third statistically will die. Wow. So in the space of that 24 hours, we, we have so many days that we forget the value of a day. And it was the idea to take just one day and do something that is super tough. That is very unlike any other day and remember the magnitude of the event that is happening to someone somewhere, you know, 480 people every single day. Yeah. And it was a way for Katie and I to plug back into something and to make our effort a little bit more communal. And it's kind of built around the, the things I like to do, like hanging out with people, doing something physical, uh, and you know, my original idea was something around pull-ups and you, I, you were really into David Goggins at the time. So I'll give oh, you a break yeah, on was, that. Thank you. <laughs> I still would have loved the lats that would have come from like <sighs> pole 24, whatever. Yeah. It. The lats. I don't know that I would have appreciated the rhabdo, but no, no, it'd been brutal. But the, uh, you know, it was mentioned to me doing rowing because everybody, it doesn't matter. You know, you'd, you'd have to have something bad wrong with you to not be able to row. It's like walking and running. It's like, it's just a natural human function. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to make it inclusive in that way too. So it, it went well the first year. We raised $13,000, which, you know, Katie and I were complete novices at forming a charitable event. Uh, but, you know, you hooked us up with the folks at Suespante CrossFit in Raleigh, and they gave us a space. Uh, friend of the show and guest of the show, Quint Coward, uh, his, his company, they got us some tables and chairs and everything we needed for the setup. And, uh, he also spread the word really well. 
And we had a nice showing, probably about 50 people coming out over the course of the day. Had a food truck. You know, we played some games. We kept those things going. Greg Cooksey, uh, your brother stepped in and saved the day with that HVAC. Fixed the air conditioning, uh, yeah. Taking, taking it down from 95 degrees to 70 so we yeah. could not die. Yeah. Uh, but it was... It was a really positive experience, and then then COVID knocked us off of it, and so we brought it back this year. And this year, uh, the main difference, you know, if you listen to me or Tommy, um, you follow either one of us on any social media platform, you'll see some things we've posted about Row 24. And if you click into the links, you'll see that we're tied directly into the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's main annual fundraiser, Light the Night. Uh, so light the night is, it is a national event that breaks out in different chapters all over the country. And the effort is in this one month, let's raise as much as possible. Tommy and I are here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We do the triangle light the night. Uh, I have spoken at it before, which was easily the biggest crowd of people I've ever spoken to is about 4,500 people. Wow. How'd you do? Uh, (laughs) Not my best speech, not my worst. (laughs) (laughs) The cool thing about that experience though, was, uh, for, for those who don't know, uh, like a lot of couples, Katie and I had a miscarriage in our first, uh, first effort at having a child. And that was really hard on us emotionally. Um, and then, we were, I think, 17 weeks with Walter, our oldest. And so I worked in this speech, you know, that one of my things is that uh, the way that cures catch up to victims is that there's this massive ripple effect of benefit uh, when you save someone's life. Like all the things that they do good come out from that. So, you know, one of my things is reminding people that, I've got two kids, like one victim, three survivors. Yeah, I really love of, that. I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's and it's the only way that the cures can catch up to victims is if we all pay it forward, if we all have enough faith that it will continue to get better if mm-hmm. we keep on fighting it. So the cool thing about that, that time was I worked in a speech where I got to tell 4,500 people uh about like the fear that we went through with the cancer, uh, but that we got married anyway. And now my wife is 17 weeks pregnant with our first child. Yeah. And 4,500 people erupt in applause. Oh, yeah. Just, I'm getting like the goosebumps just thinking about it, man. That's awesome. It was, it was a sweet experience. So that's light the night. We survivors, uh, people who are honoring those who have passed and then the the family members of of past ones everybody gets like a different lantern to hold to show their place in this uh in this chain like mm-hmm. what your role is how you're fighting how you're supporting uh right how you're a beacon of hope because you've been there and you got through it and then we we walk about a mile after a large presentation, live music, food, and it's a really cool thing. 
so I was doing this thing where I was doing row 24 in the spring and I, it took a lot of work, especially the first time. Yeah. And then I'm turning right back around and I'm plugging into this light the night thing. And it was just like, I'm asking a lot of the same people to double dip. Yep. And so I wanted to take something that was personal to me, attach it to the larger machinery uh, that's already in place with Light the Night. And so now we do Row 24 to raise money for the Light the Night event. So Row 24 takes place the weekend right before Light the Night. And so we're, we're trying to ramp up our fundraising and hit that hit that mark. And so far, it's been awesome. I mean, we're... With the current promises, I just have to get the money recognized. We are already going to beat the thirteen thousand we raised in uh, raised in twenty nineteen, which and is awesome. That's really cool. It, it's unbelievable. I thought we were, you know, part of what we're doing this year. We don't have a, a gym like Suisponte. We're we're keeping it smaller. We're doing it. Uh, in the backyard of my house, like I bought a rowing machine and we've got like couches and mattresses for the guys. Like we'll bring food in. So I, fortunately I was able to parlay this event into a brand new TV in my carriage house so we can watch football and stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> but, but I thought that that scaled down model would be like, lower like okay it'll be fine we'll do less but we're still helping and i'm a little embarrassed that i i didn't believe more in the generosity of people within the sphere yeah uh because everybody's been incredible like in years past i've gone around to different companies in the triangle and i've spoken about my experience and you know shared shared a little bit of what 30 days in the ICU in a cancer ward looks like, um, you know, what it does to derail your life plans like it did with me and Katie's marriage and what it does financially for those who aren't insured. If, if I didn't have the insurance, right? I mean, you're talking about a million dollar medical bill. And I, wow. I don't even have one of the bad kinds, you know, it's right. It's right. Nothing. Right. The, one of the bad kinds, right. It was, right. Tr- it was treated yeah, as cancer. Right? Yeah. Cancer light compared yeah. to some of these people. Yeah. So like it's, it's a massive, massive issue. And so like I would share those things on a little talking circuit and try to try to connect with people. And I didn't have any of that. And so I thought it'd be smaller and it just hasn't been like, everybody's been incredible. So we're, it's going to be an awesome fundraising season, and if you're listening to this, like I said, you can find find this on social media. I'll definitely put uh, links to mine and Tommy's fundraisers in the show notes. Um, and you know, throw some throw some money Tommy's way. He's looking to get a concept two <laughs> rower out of this. <laughs> I'm super competitive. I was really happy that like you know Quint. And Charles and my brother, they all picked up and set up their site too. So like, you know, we get a little bit of the, the juice flowing to try to get people um, aboard the train. Like, 
I will say, I mean, something that I learned because I'd never really been part of a fundraiser. Like I had given money to to fundraisers, you know, with friends that are think causes that are important to them, but I'd never really asked people for money, aside from like you know, username, password, credit card. Like, yeah. you know, a closing tactic in sales. Is that, that going to be Visa or MasterCard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, we don't accept American Express. Um, <laughs> but it is it is it is really, it can be awkward and it can be difficult. Um, and it's not because I don't think people are good people. I think most people see it and they're like, I want to do that. But the primary way that, that I would do it, aside from just like seeing friends and family and saying, hey, I'm doing this row 24 event we're going to be rowing for 24 straight hours as we kind of pass around the row machine is through social media and social media is like you know it's like a millisecond and then it's gone you know if you don't flag it if you're not like me and you don't have 17 tabs open in your google chrome uh, browser it just kind of goes by the wayside so it but you also at the same time you know I can say that I absolutely appreciated every single dollar that someone put forth. $5, $25, $500, whatever it was. It was like, like that person cared enough about me and the people that I care about, that being you. Like I've told you before that your cancer diagnosis hit me like a ton of bricks because it was like, holy crap. Like It's not like you were doing anything that was it's not like you were speeding drunk driving down the highway and you ran off the road. Now it's still terrible, but it was like this unfortunate genetic mishap and it could literally be anybody at any time. Um, and so while cancer did not directly affect my body, it's affected my perception of what it takes that should that something ever happen to me that I hope there are generous people out there that I don't know and will never meet are putting money towards a cause that might be something, maybe it is, you know, you know whatever it is, um, that, that there is a cure for whatever I might come across or my wife or my kids or my family, whatever. So anyway, all of that is a long-winded say to, to say that like I appreciate everyone who, who, who gives part of their hard-earned income uh, to a cause that, you know, may or may not directly impact them. So, The interesting point you brought up there, and I forgot about this when saying one of the reasons I designed Row 24, I didn't feel great about just asking people for money. Yeah. Didn't, and that's what Light the Night exists for, right? It's a whole thing that the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society designs to help people get out of their own way and making the request. And, you know, I've been through enough of their fundraising trainings now where they they talk about the resistance from both ends. Why do we feel burdened by asking other people to help? Like, it's their, they can make the call. Yeah, right. You know, you're, not, you're not pressuring. It's like, this is a really good thing to do. And do you want to or do you not? It's, it's fine either way. Yeah. Uh, here's why I do it. And, you know, it's, it's really not that different than asking somebody if they want a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I don't know why it feels like more, maybe because they don't get the coffee. I would argue they get something better. There's like a sense of freedom from your own financial concerns and a sense of hope in humanity 
that just the action of donation is like a belief that there's a better world out there. The, but the more interesting part about it and, you know, so I, I do row 24 and it's like, this will be really tough and people know I have skin in the game yeah. and like I, I'm doing a lot of work over here. Recognize it, please. Like, but that's all my own insecurities. Yeah. That's all that was. So, but that was an issue in it early on when I was designing like the website and like trying to put merchandise together and like all these things that I thought were necessary. Yeah. Uh, the, the other half of it is people feeling guilty about not being able to give the right amount. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the part I just got done talking about my my bill would have been about a million dollars. There's none no one's going to give the money that says just this amount of money is it. It is a cumulative effort and every single dollar has meaning. Uh there's a lot of fundraisers who I've seen on some of these training who have incredible success with fundraising efforts that are like, I'm trying to get $1 donated from every state. And they like that's their social media shares on Monday. They show like the new states they added. That's pretty cool. And like, hey, we're, I don't know anybody in Alaska. Who can help me out? You know? Yeah. And they raise massive amounts of money by just saying like, all I'm looking for is a dollar. Yeah. Like the people who will do more can do more, but the fact that it doesn't uh exclude anyone is huge. And that inclusiveness is another thing people don't think about when it comes to well, how am I going to give my time and money? There's a lot of a lot of things you could invest in, right? We've got we've got racial causes, we have gender equity issues, we've got wage gaps between the rich and the poor. And to your point that it could be anybody, it's just a genetic injustice, just a a weird freak out. Cancer doesn't care about all those issues. Like if you want to, if you want to spend your time and effort against something that is really fair, (laughs) it just does not pick sides. Like cancer is a great place to start. Yeah. You know? You don't have to you don't have to get too mired in all of that. And I I guess I'll step off the soapbox to just say this. This is my personal cause. And like you said, like it's so obvious why it is. I I didn't care about fighting cancer a day of my life until I was a cancer victim. Yeah. Right. And I'll probably feel a little bit guilty about that always for being so close minded. But now I'm just doing my best to pay it forward so that one day there is some person I don't know who has his whole paradigm about what we owe each other as human beings shifted because the kindness of strangers saved his or her life, right? But any any issue that you feel moved by is worth it. All the all the things I just called out that have a 
you know, our equality issues, those are all important issues. And gosh, I mean, we know people, right? Like Quint, he's been, he's been fundraising for years. Like I just had a a person I went to college with who had a, a child born with Down syndrome and that like so many issues that that opened your eyes up to like all these things are worth the time so like more than anything I just advocate for people to find something to commit to whether it's their time their money their support in any way they can offer it that does not directly benefit them and feel their feel their empathy and their connection with the human family expanded by that donation so that's i don't know that's my stump man links links will be in the show notes yeah and maybe we'll i'm sure we'll find some time to uh these maybe we can knock out like 10 or 15 minute segments with everybody rowing not while they're rowing like not while they're rowing obviously (laughs) Um, last thing we need is that big fan in the background yeah that audio quality which is breezing on them oh I mean, I don't know if anything else needs to be said, man. I mean, like I said, I think this is one of our platforms. Um, you're right. Like, it, it's not like, like, like I said earlier, I did not have the blood cancer. And I can't even pretend that I did. But I can imagine because I saw how it took your life and just said, screw it. Here it is upside down. You know, I saw you in the hospital. Um, I I had... And you know how I have anxiety. I started thinking about, oh my gosh, him and Katie are having to figure out what insurance covers, what insurance doesn't cover. How how can she work and still be in the hospital with them? Like, all while in the background, like, am I gonna live for the next thirty days? And I felt it. And I and it, and it's you know it's one of those like on days that I'm that I remember to think about it a little bit. I'm reminded that every day is a gift, and that we don't sometimes. You know, we don't cherish that 24 hours that we get, so. Man, that is that is another side benefit. Like, proximity to a problem. Like, whatever that thing is that you pick, like people who really have it much worse than you, getting some proximity to that will enhance your gratitude for your current life a ton. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I guess that's that's the last thing then, just to say thank you to the people who have and will support the effort or, you know, give of yourselves to anything. Uh, like the fact that we can't quantify how much that actually means is the magic of giving to others. Like if you knew how much it helped, then you could start stacking things up like, well, this person's the best because they have the greatest impact. And it would rob the whole thing of what it means. Like mm-hmm. you give what you give and the ripple effects, you'll, you'll never know. But you'll hear stories and they come from people like me. You know, the, the first person who started doing research on my type of cancer cure, which is arsenic, uh, 
It's rat poison, but it also <laughs> yeah. treats a type of blood cancer. You know, did you ever feel like, like a, a did you ever feel like a treating yeah. a certain type of flu? <laughs> did you ever feel like a rat in a cage? Oh yeah, did I <laughs> smashing pumpkins I reference? I didn't taste fresh outdoor air for thirty three straight days. Mm-hmm. Mm, Start wonderful. going insane in yeah. these places. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's. Just thank you to everybody, like especially and a special shout out to Charles Ball, Quint Coward, Greg Cooksey, John Ensign, yourself, Tommy. And is Mike joining us? I'm fairly certain Mike is joining us. I think he's a full on commit. We're going to give so many shout outs to Wolfgang Bakery. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we are. Wolfgang (laughs) Bakery, uh, Greg Cooksey, HVAC. (laughs) (laughs) Wolf, Wolfgang's gonna start sending us like, guys, please stop using us as a sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> we'll pay you to stop mentioning us. <laughs> oh man, but it'll be a good time, and and yeah, likewise, gratitude toward everybody, you know, preemptively, and and anybody, even anybody who gave previously in previous years. It's very cool. So I think we can let's 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 just go into the segments. Call it a night. Segments it is. Yeah. October 16th. Yeah. Row 24. Check it out. Let's F and row. Let's row. LF row. LF row. I was trying to think of something with LFO and Summer Girls and how we could squeeze that in. I think you just got to put the number uh, 33 on the back. Like the great Larry Bird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that song. It's such a good song. <laughs> it's going to be one of those that like in 15 years, it's going to randomly come on the radio. I'm still going to know every word. Yeah. And Walter's going to be like, this is awful. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know what song that, and I actually like the song, but my dad and probably it would have been like the early two thousands. Um, I think the band was OMC, How Bizarre. Oh, yeah. And like I would come home and my dad would have that. Like He had this big speaker set up and he would have it blasting on a Friday afternoon. On, like If it went to 50, it was on 49. And it's like whenever that song comes on, I'm like, this is a terrible song. But you know what? I love it. And I still kind of know it. the words. So My version of that is... My dad always listened to talk radio, mm-hmm. and my mom always listened to the local Christian station. Okay. Shout out to KLJC. KLJC. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere out of nowhere, and it felt like a surreal experience, my dad starts singing along with this song, and he knows every word. If a daddy is rich, take care of yeah. me. Yeah. If a daddy is I was like, whoa, there's a whole other guy I never knew. Yeah, yeah, this is not talk radio. Love it. All right, question of the week. When was the last time I remember being mean to someone? Why did I act that way? Mm, Man, I wish I would have had more than 35 minutes to let this marinate. Yeah, but, this is my fault. I I pulled it late, and I'm just now realizing I've been 
running my subconscious thinking of the last time someone was mean to me. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Does not I, apply. You know, I, I can answer this. I don't have any direct, um, I won't, I won't isolate any direct examples because it was just a general thing. At some point in my early to mid-20s, I felt like I needed to prove something. Didn't know what it was. Like, you know, I, I, was, I was good enough. I was worthy. I was better than... I, I, don't, I don't know what it really was ultimately. But it was something. I needed to prove myself. And that came out in really sarcastic cynicism. And sarcasm was like the flavor of the day then it was just like a very i don't know it was just kind of the way people were i don't i don't know how to, how best to describe it like it was it was almost like how gratitude and generosity have become more of a thing now like we're all more so aware of this but even like my very close friends i would use them as the butt of my jokes um to get laughs from the rest of the group and even as I was doing it, I was like, in, in on one side, it's like the, the, the two, I had like a devil on one shoulder and God on the other. And it was like, this is like, one side was saying, knock that one out of the park. And the other one was saying, that was terrible. Why would you, you like this person? Like this person is your friend. Um, and, you know, only through a ton of therapy and a ton of self thought and reading books and stuff, have I realized that it was just this insecure 16 year old kid who felt you know, just age old trying to make somebody else smaller to make himself feel bigger. The good news is I've recognized it and have been able to retroactively apologize to these people and thank them for still being my friend. Um, but like, as far as like being mean to somebody, like that's the last time I can really remember when I was like, just downright, like not nice, like really trying to stick it to somebody for no reason. So anyway, yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I'm not, I'm not a very. I wouldn't even say I'm a very aggressive person. I'm pretty. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I'm pretty relaxed about things. It it takes a lot for me to even get competitive. Yeah. Uh. Almost. Always when I'm mean to people, it comes out because of self-defense. Yeah. And unfortunately, that means it's almost always directed at people who are really close to me trying to help me. So I think I have the most regrets in my life about uh, significant others. You know, people I dated who they got close enough to to both appreciate my potential and to pick up my flaws. And, you know, most people don't get close enough to care about your flaws. They just kind of like, if you're an agreeable guy, they let you coast through and, you know, they see some problems, but hey, whatever, it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. But it's the people who are really invested in you who believe you can be something more that they start talking to you about it like hey do you think you should be 
do you think you should be drinking so much? Or maybe you could be a little better organized or, you know, you just don't really care about other people the way you care about yourself. Like they start seeing this stuff and it's like, it's not even asking for that big of a change, but like I can be a fairly perceptive guy at times. Uh, a lot of things I think about the people I spend time with that I don't, I don't care to like talk about some of these things. And then it comes out like this thing uh, that has bothered me about them for months or even years. And it's sometimes it'll be explosive. Sometimes it's me moping around the next day, still thinking about what they said and mm -hmm. just like start picking at like their tiny little things. Yeah. Like you just can never shut this cabinet door, can you? Yeah. It's like I've I've probably seen this cabinet door open for 300 straight days. Is it so tough to just do the It's like you can run 99% of the race. What you can't just do this, mm -hmm. just close the cabinet door. And it it can be any of those little things that I've just like stored up like a Yeah. Like a little gunny sack. And it never feels good. It always sucks. It always creates this rift. I always have to apologize. And asking forgiveness is really, like, it's great, but it just sucks. Yeah. It sucks so bad. So, I don't know why I act that way other than we kind of talked about this a little bit with Trent. There is something in me that more than anything else in my relationships, I just want the person to believe that I'm enough, Yeah, that I can do it. Like, and I mean that in the very vague sense, like you can do it. Like yeah. it doesn't even really matter what it is. Just like this, like childlike need for support. Yeah. And when I feel like I'm not getting it, I get the same sort of like immature a tant the little mini tantrums. Yeah, you're a poop head. Yeah. Like basically that's the equivalent of like you're a poop head. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's it's one of my worst sides. And for a guy with some bad sides, that was <laughs> Well, dude, because yeah, it, it'd like be better to be angry, right? Like, I'd I'd much rather be in like an all-out fight and like have like raw aggression. Yeah. But it's like this this petty. Oh like, yeah. I can't yeah. really. I can't even like say what I'm thinking. I'm just like, oh, you don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't flush all the way. There's yeah. little floaters. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's I feel like, you, man. I? I feel you. I'm, I'm deaf. I, I get that a hundred percent. Like, you know, I'm part of it is my own OCD, which I've had to just put in check. Like, you know, I think about this all the time. And by the way, thank you for sharing. Yeah. This is just a random thing. It's like 50% of the people that listen to this will totally get it. And 50% of the people that listen to this will be like, you're a crazy person. I like reorganize the dishwasher before we run it. Like the way I look at the dishwasher, there's like a certain way that cups go and bowls go. 
and I like to put the forks and spoons and knives in the same, their same little compartment. And, you know, for a while I would call it out. I'm like, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> in reality, I saw some tweet that was like, you know, the water gets all over all of the stuff, right? <laughs> like, so it's just my Dude, own OCD. That is dead on what I'm talking about. If I'm in a bad mood because some little thing is like, hey, well, could you skip that and just like do it another day and it throws off my plan and I'm so angry that they don't respect my plan. Like now I pull open the dishwasher oh, yeah. and I see the bowl facing the opposite direction right. of the way I put the bowl and I make a big stink. Like yep. I'm, I'm over there, I'm, I'm moving it. I'm like, <sighs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> ah. Probably breaking a bowl, putting it back in nice and hard. Yeah, like it's so petty and so stupid. <laughs> it's the most, it's one of those things like if there was, if life was a reality show and those were the things that were getting picked up from me, it would be, it's the worst look. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I've gotten to a point now where like stuff like that, I, I have created enough space between my reaction in my reply that that it doesn't surface i'm just and i just recognize like with, with that i'm like there's no right or wrong way i mean maybe there is surely the people who designed it have a way in mind to like stock this thing but it's gonna get clean it's got hot water and soap hits it so anyway yeah that's funny. mine's like about efficiency it's like we can't fit all the dishes in if we're gonna put them in this way Oh right, right, like, right, okay, right. Run a second load. Yeah. Like, oh man, we're hand wash for five this, minutes. This is called being a dad. It's like, uh, wait, you you want the temperature to be what during the day in the house? Come on, put a jacket on. <laughs> like water is water is it's such a such a premium for running the dishes that it's like, dude, that's a that's a dad joke. I'm definitely breaking out when the fridge door gets left open. So, oh. Well, there goes your college tuition. Yeah. Oh, man. I've already dropped the... Uh, we're not trying to cool the outside here. Come on. Let's pull Beautiful. the door shut. Anyway. Uh, so for our for our shares of the week, I have one that I'm going to jump in on. And um, you may have already seen the show. And you may have recommended it. I don't remember. I have to go back and look. I mean, we're, we're 39 shows deep here. We're hitting middle age. And multiple hours. We've... we've- We've got over fifty hours of content here. We got a lot of we got a lot of legs. It's a lot of a lot of dialogue. We're only two shows into this, but I have a feeling it's it's going to be pretty bomb. And we're watching Succession on HBO Max. Have you watched that? I have. Okay, so I'm just going to season one. Okay, watch season one. So we're only two episodes in, and it is riveting, and I love it, and the acting is awesome. And HBO Max, Succession. Just watch it. There we go. It's a great recommendation. Does it hold on tight? Does it hold on? Is it worth the... Uh, yeah, not... all of season one. Okay. All of season one is fantastic. It, I do think it's one of those shows you either get it or yeah. you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you, if you like the first two episodes, it sounds like you're a gets it guy. Well, you know what I'm doing as soon as we break down the podcast. We're going to go watch an episode and still get in bed by 10. That's well. I will also be partaking in my recommendation, also in bed. <laughs> but uh, because I care about having good sleep, I don't watch a screen. Okay. In bed. 
Fair enough. I don't watch it. In, you know, we, we go downstairs. We don't watch the screen. In. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Come on. No, so uh, I recommended book one. I just finished book two of the Three Body Problem trilogy. Um, first book was great. Second book, also great. Really? It's, it's called The Dark Forest. And you know what I love is... The author does it exactly how I would do it if I was as good at writing uh, as he see, is. Yeah, there's some vanity in here, huh? No, no, it's not even that. It's it's uh, he writes the first book, and yeah, it's kind of long-ish for what it is, but it's pretty tidy. And you look at book two in the trilogy, and he just like an extra hundred and fifty pages because he's got a hit now, so he can just like explore the space. Mm-hmm. And I. I picked up book three over the weekend. I'm starting it tonight. Book three, even longer. This thing oh, is like, man. it makes the Bible look short. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Oh, man. And he's like, it's for a guy who's just writing about hard sci fi, like talking about unfolding protons so that they can program an artificial intelligence in the 3d space before folding it back to lower dimensions it's it shouldn't work but man does it man, oh, man. does it work i love it you really you're really blowing forest. through these you're really blowing through these uh, that's that's what tells you they're great yeah you know um oh, yeah. so yeah get on it besides like i said benioff and weiss the whole netflix train is coming you want to be that guy who says, oh, missed some things from the books. Yeah. I want to be able to pause the show, turn to my spouse, and be like, you know. But they did. It's interesting how they did that in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, I, although I will say, you know what, what book and movie were both really good? Uh, there's a bunch of them, but The Martian. Oh yeah, the book I read I on my read the book. The, oh, the book was really good. Yeah, I read it on our honeymoon, and I'm you know I'm not a big novel guy. You know this. I do know that. Um, but you know I finished it within six days, which is unheard of for me. And uh, PR. It was a PR. The only other book I read faster was Fight Club, and it's because it's like 130 pages. <laughs> Man, that movie was fantastic. What a great movie. One of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Enjoyed it. Look at us. Record time. Proud of us. Cruising through. Go yeah, us. anytime you keep it under an hour, you got to, you know, give yourself a high five. Hey. Yeah. Really, really the goal on these things is if I can ever get to bed before Katie goes to bed after the pod. That's it. That's the key. Oh, <laughs> nope. I've already got the text. Lock up. Oh, well, that means we'll, she went upstairs. We'll see what happens. Nice. We'll we'll see what happens for me. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, brother. Talk Jesus. to you later. Man. See you, man. <laughs>